Welcome to episode 22 of the Father and Son Watch Horror Movies podcast. I am your host, the Father, a.k.a. Pastor Matt, a.k.a. Matt Rawlings. And today we are covering a classic on the 45th anniversary of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. What happened was true. most bizarre and brutal series of crimes in America, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Even if one of them survives, what will be left? The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. After you stop screaming, you'll start talking about it. Rated R. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre opens today at theaters and drive-ins everywhere. For that, I will need my trusty co-host, Jackson, the son, and I have a feeling that the Lone Star State is going to feel a lot lonelier after the Sawyers are done with it. Yeah, no joke. So we are a spoiler podcast. We spoil the movies we discuss, so be warned. And so, you know, this past week we ramped up to Halloween. So, buddy, what have you been watching on the ramp up to Halloween? Well, what you know what I watched on Halloween Day, because that's always something that's super special for me. I got to find two movies that... And they really encapsulate the Halloween spirit. So this year, I watched Salem's Lot, the miniseries, um, mm. which is a lot longer than you remember. It's over yep. three hours, um, but uh, it's all good. It's all quality. So I watched that and Trick or Treat. That's, of course, part of my uh, annual so, ritual. Well, hold on a second. Trick or Treat or Trick or Trick or Treat. treat. The uh, one with uh, right. Sam, Sam the Pumpkin Man. Okay. Um, of course. Um, not that is Sammy Kerr. No. Uh, Trick or Treat, known as... With the, the tr- awesome soundtrack by Fastway, just saying. Yes, um, of course. Trick or Treat, which has become iconic in the past 10 years, I guess, because it's known as one of the best horror anthologies ever made. I mean, people rank it right along with Creepshow. So um, it's, it definitely does a lot of things right. So I watched that in Salem's Lot on Halloween. And since then, I've been watching a lot of different movies. In November, I watch, you know, not as much horror as I do in October. But as far as horror goes, I watched Eli, which is from this year, and it's on Netflix, which I thought was pretty good. Um, I watched— Oh, I haven't seen Eli yet. Is it, is it good? It was, it was good. So you, you got to stick with it. It seems pretty by the books until the ending. Um. So Eli's good. Okay. That I think that'll make it at um onto my top ten of the year. Honestly, really? Yeah, it's it's the performances are what you go for. Um, okay. I think I'll everything. Check that fun. out. I haven't seen it yet. I'll have to check that out. Absolutely. So Eli, that one was great. I of course I watched Texas Chainsaw Massacre in preparation for this, and I watched the re-edit of Rob Zombie's Halloween. I saw Greg Amortis had retweeted Watch that. that today. Yeah. So yep. I thought that was fantastic, and that's really how it should have been released. No Halloween two, just incorporated into the ending of Halloween. Yeah. Well, Rob Zombie's Halloween two, with all due respect to Justin Beam and and our friends. Yeah, it's crap. So anyway, I. Um, I did a thing because uh, Megan, our producer and editor, she was sick all week. She does not do modern horror. So I did a Universal Monsters thing and a Hammer horror film. Awesome. So we did all the Dracula movies. Um, Dracula, Bride of Dracula, or Daughter of Dracula, um, Son of Dracula, House of Dracula. We did all the Frankenstein movies. Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein, Son of Frankenstein. 
House of Frankenstein, Ghost of Frankenstein. <laughs> that's what we did on Halloween. And then we also did Dracula, Prince of Darkness, and Horror of Dracula. So that's yes. what we did on Halloween. Yeah. Awesome. And if and... people want, you have done your top right. 10 Hammer yeah. horror films on YouTube. So people need yep. to check that out. Yep. Absolutely. All right. Well, I'm very excited to talk about this movie today. I've been anticipating this for since we've we started the podcast. I mean, I think I even mentioned Texas Chainsaw in our first ever episode when we were talking about Strangers Pray at Night. I think I mentioned that uh, that was very Texas Chainsaw esque, and that has become a term that a lot of people are uh, a lot of people are using these days. Texas Chainsaw esque, especially in um, reference to Rob Zombie's films, which you we were just talking about. All right, I don't. I, I don't see the connection. You have to, because we've been to the filming locations for Strangers Pray at Night. How mm-hmm. is there a connection between Strangers Pray at Night and Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Tell me, what's, I think what's the connection? I think it's the vibe. I think it's the, the feeling of people trying to escape. Um, uh, they're in a location that seems innocent at first, and then you realize how terrifying and deadly every part of it is as the killers use it to their advantage. Um, they're unknown killers. You don't know why they're killing. They're just killing for fun. Um, well, I guess the Sawyers are motivated because they make furniture out of their. I was gonna say, well, well, we'll get to that. We'll get to that because I watching Gunnar Hansen interviews and having listened to the audio book of Chainsaw Confidential. We'll, we'll get to that. But go ahead and give me your initial thoughts on Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Sure. Well, um, Texas Chainsaw is an oddity because. For many years, it was known as one of the most disturbing movies of all time, and people put it up there with The Exorcist. Um, And I would argue that it actually isn't... What you see on screen is not as disturbed, even close to as disturbing as The Exorcist. Um, And it was even banned... I agree agree with that, yeah. It was even banned in many countries until this century, until just recently, um, which I find absolutely astounding. I mean... um, it's not flowing with nudity and blood. It's just what you think. It's the visual images that you paint in your head that are mo- the most disturbing with this movie. It's not like The Exorcist where it's right in your face. Um, and I think Texas Chainsaw really succeeds in scaring you because it appeals to what we're afraid of the most, which is um, just craziness that you cannot reason with. These the Sawyers, our main antagonists for the for the whole franchise, right. or I guess they're renamed eventually, but the Sawyers are crazy for the sake of craziness. I mean, you cannot talk them out of killing you. Um, no amount of reason, no amount of money. They don't want money. They want to kill you. Um, and I think that's what was in a lot of people's minds in the 70s. I mean, they weren't ready for this. And Texas Chainsaw is very indicative of the problems of the day from the 70s. I mean, there's um, the themes, you know, that run throughout are like the meat industry, the Vietnam War, and the social mistrust at large. Um, oh, chain- well, we, we will get there. Because there's a whole me, I list. Have, oh, I have. Yeah. I have an entire Nixon theory, which we will get <laughs> okay. to. So, but, okay, this is number five on my all-time horror list, on my all-time movie list. So, um obviously spoiler alert it's beloved it's way up there i got we got messages this week from dave becker and 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 jay of the dead talking about this is their favorite movie of all time wow so but you know i this is inspired um toby hooper who died a few years ago tragically um 
one of the people I really wanted to meet when I was in L.A. I didn't. Um, uh, hope Toby Hooper and John Carpenter were the two people I wanted to meet and didn't. Um, but, you know, it, it seems like he was inspired by the death of the 60s. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like we've talked about in the past with some other, other movies. Um, the 60s came and went. They didn't do what people want. George Romero said, you know, well, the 60s didn't do what he hoped would do. And and so you have the the death of the 60s. You have the Manson family. You have Night of the Living Dead, right? You have the Ed Gein story, as mm-hmm. told to by Toby Hooper, had relatives who were in Wisconsin who told him the story. You have all of this, and Toby Hooper's talking about how he grew up in a dysfunctional family, and all of this congeals to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Right? right. Yes, this is very much inspired by a variety of things. I mean, when people see the intro crawl, you know, and they see the rest of the movie, they're thinking that this is 100% reality, and that's because it incorporates so many true stories and so many real events and creates the most topical, horrifying movie that has ever come out of Texas. Well, yeah, and, and I mean, okay, so Toby Hooper, he's, you know, thinking about the death of the 60s he's thinking about the manson family he's christmas shopping he's a pbs documentary filmmaker and you know he's sitting in he's christmas shopping he looks up at a at a bunch of chainsaws and well that would get people out of here because he was uncomfortable and all this congeals into the texas chainsaw massacre he writes a screenplay originally called stocking leatherface a lot of people say it was head cheese. That was a joke. That was not <laughs> the original, you know. And so he does this. Um, and one of the things he was afraid of was Toby Hooper from Austin, raised in Austin, which is a great, great city. I love Austin. If you're listening, Austin, I love Austin. Um, he was afraid of rural Texas. Mm-hmm. And he incorporated it in, into that. And, you know, Okay, before you were born, I was in seminary in Abilene, Texas, which is in rural Texas, West Texas. Um, If you flew into Dallas and then you drove to Abilene, Texas, and you passed a lot of rural Texas, um, it's pretty creepy. I mean, there are Mm -hmm. snake farms. There are, I mean, it's, it's a weird place. You pass towns where Sonic is the only restaurant. In it's a twilight town. zone. It, it's it's weird, man. It's it's there, and so, you know, and Toby was afraid of that, and so he he took all of that and he put it into the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, and just watching the scenery in this movie, I mean, that's enough to drive you crazy. Those endless expanses of brown and green and um, tumbleweeds going by, and armadillos on the road. It's just oh yeah, unsettling to think that it's just. 100 degree heat for 100 miles. Oh, it's more than that. I, I mean, I remember being in seminary and driving. At that time, I had a Ford Explorer, and I was driving out um, to the mall, the one mall in Abilene, Texas, and my outside thermostat said 128 degrees. Oh, my gosh. I mean, it it's it's incredibly hot in the summer in Texas. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable how hot it is. And yeah, there are armadillos, there are bugs. I mean, 
I remember going to Abilene and there are just dead bugs everywhere. And the recruiter for my seminary is like, um, yeah, this happens every sem- this happens every summer. We get all these bugs and all this kind of stuff. It's it's unreal how just barbaric it is. You know, yeah. I mean, it's just and so here you have they're shooting between July 15th and August 14th of 1970, you know, 372. Um, it's a it, depending on who you listen to, it's a 30 to 32 day shoot. They're shooting out in the middle of nowhere, 10 miles outside of Austin. Um, and it's just horrific. I mean, there are bugs and there are there's humidity and there is wind and there's it's just you have no idea unless you've lived in Texas at that time, how horrible it is. Yeah. So I've heard, I mean, I can't even imagine um, being in that Leatherface costume, you know, long sleeves and that sweaty mask that couldn't be washed. I mean, and you're out there in like 120 degree heat and then you're inside those houses, which I'm sure aren't air conditioned. Um, no. Just, no. just sitting no. in that stench and that heat. And like we've always said, the most troubled productions lead to the best films. It's, it seems to always be like that. Um, because is that what you want as a director? Is that what you want? No, to <laughs> I would not dream this production on my worst enemy, but it worked. Obviously the uncomfort that the care, the uncomfortableness that the characters were feeling, you know, the actors were feeling really shines through in their performance because they're supposed to be uncomfortable in the movie. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, it's awful, the fact that they pretty much did go through hell to make this movie and to bring it to the screen. But this legacy has lasted so long. I mean, I'm sure they can't even remember what it felt like. But now this legacy has followed it followed Toby Hooper all the way up to his death. And many people would say he never made a better film. Well, he didn't. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I would argue that. I mean, I love Poltergeist. I, I love, love Poltergeist, e- yep. Yeah, I love the Fun e- House. I love The Fun House, absolutely. Um, I even love his remake of Invaders from Mars. I don't yep. love Life Force that much, but from that on, I think he really went off the well, uh, the rails. But And I love Satan's Lot, which you brought up earlier. I, I, I do think Toby was a very talented filmmaker, but... Um, I do think this was his masterpiece. Mm-hmm. You disagree it, with that? You're an no, filmmaker. I wouldn't. I wouldn't disagree. I think this is for me. I mean, if we're looking at my top ten list, this is on my top ten list, and Poltergeist isn't. Um, this is number nine on my top ten list, so not crazy. Okay, it's number high. five on mine. So yeah, right. We're, so we're, yeah. it is. It is on there though. It beat out a lot of movies. Like, um, uh, I mean, it's it's higher than Dawn of the Dead, which is on my top ten list as well. Oh, That's wow. number ten. So um, Texas Chainsaw, it's I'd say it's tied with Poltergeist and Funhouse. The Funhouse, I, I would say, isn't a like masterpiece of a movie, but it is fun. And I think there's a lot of great moments in that. Um, of course, the creature effects, if you can even call it that, it's just a mutated or uh, a, um, a human with a burst defect. But I, th- I think it really works. And that, that movie is fun just to just to watch. You know what I mean? With all the crazy. Yeah. Uh, sets and everything but yeah I would say Texas Chainsaw is his best movie um, but that's not to discredit the rest of his career I mean he had a super fruitful career as you um, were talking about earlier I mean um, everybody wants to give Poltergeist to Steven Spielberg but if you watch Poltergeist there's Hooper all over that Absolutely. so um, 
So no, I, I believe that's much more of a Hooper film than a Spielberg film. Absolutely. Oh yeah, definitely. And I, 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 I feel really bad for Hooper because everybody's like, oh, it's all Spielberg. You know, he was just in Spielberg no, thought he was not. inept. And I'm, I'm like, have you seen the movie? I mean, you can see Texas right. Chainsaw, you can see The Funhouse, you can see all these different movies in Poltergeist. Absolutely. So, yeah. Um, uh, no, and, absolutely. That's a, that's an eighty percent Toby Hooper film, twenty percent right. Steven that's, Spielberg film. That's what Do you I would agree say with too. that. Yeah, that's what I and Joe Bob Briggs would disagree. He would say it's a 99% uh, Toby Hooper, 1% Spielberg, because he is a huge Hooper guy. Um, just I rewatched his Texas Chainsaw coverage on Dinners of Death um, in preparation for this. But yeah, um, definitely Hooper is a super was a super talented filmmaker. Um, he will be dearly missed. He had a lot to say, I feel like, and I, I he succeeded a lot of the time. I think that this really succeeds in... Mm -hmm. Um, it's it's social commentary in the same way that Night of the Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead did um, without really shoving it down your throat. I mean, this isn't only about the messages. It's about it's about delivering a good scare. I mean, this is a scary movie, not just a meaningful movie. And I think that shows. Yeah, but I do think he had a message and mm -hmm. we'll, we'll get to that because I, I do think his message came across. And, you know, the interesting thing is, you know, watching the special features because I have the. Texas Chainsaw special feature, you know, uh, Blu-ray, and I was watching yesterday. Um, you know, Gunnar Hansen was actually the second choice for Leatherface. <laughs> How <laughs> that, amazing that, is that? That could have been a terrible misstep if he wasn't the one behind the mask. Well, the first guy they hired showed up drunk, yes. and that's why uh, Gunnar got the job, because the guy was drunk, and so Gunnar got it. And so Gunnar had, you know... Gunnar Hansen was an amazing man. You know, he died several years ago. I never got to meet him. I wish I had. He was an intellect. Um, he was an author. Um, he did Texas Chainsaw just as kind of a lark. He didn't want to be an actor. I mean, he he wanted to be a writer. Um, he was he had a master's degree in Scandinavian studies from the University of Texas. And, you know, that's his thrust. And but he just did it as just kind of a, you know, I've I've always been interested in film, so I'll do this. And so he did it. And, you know, he thought of Leatherface as an emotionally disabled person. He went to a home for mentally disabled persons. He studied them. Um, and that's how he came up, you know, around with his performance as Leatherface. Um, and also, which I know that Jay of the Dead, this is his favorite movie of all time, you know, Dr. Shock, Dave Becker, you know, who we both hope is healing rapidly. This is his favorite movie of all time. Um, you know, they both said in, in different podcasts that, you know, they see Leatherface as a sympathetic character. And Gunnar Hansen in both Chainsaw Confidential and different interviews and stuff has said, well, he played Leatherface as a guy who was just mentally disabled, who was like, why are these people invading my space? Mm -hmm. And that's how he played it. I think that comes across. I think he did an amazing job as Leatherface. What say you? Yeah, um, Leatherface is, is like Michael in a way that he doesn't he doesn't talk, but he conveys so much emotion and exactly what he's thinking just through subtle movements or even large movements as we see with the chainsaw dance at the end. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah. And, and 
he's he is a sympathetic character i think because he's kind of and, and we see this later with texas chainsaw too i think more so that he's kind of uh you know pulled along by the rest of his family that sometimes you know he, he just wants to you know have friends and have normal life but his family's so crazy they've kind of roped him into this this thing because he's just an impressionable he's basically you know he, he's innocent i mean he he feels it feels like you're watching a child just, you know, trying to figure this out, and his family is just a bad influence on him. Um, it it begs the question: Are you born evil, or or are you made evil? And I feel like Leatherface is an example of somebody who is made evil by his surroundings, um, mm-hmm. because uh, I'll I'll keep referencing it's nature versus nurture, right? And right, nurture. exactly yeah. that, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I I feel like he's. It's it's really sad because you just want to, uh, Leatherface to you know you're like screw those guys uh, Leatherface just run away with uh, Sally get on the back of the truck and and leave them behind, um, and I Texas Chainsaw Two is my second favorite Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie and oh, in that oh so good a movie I'm glad you brought that up I will defend that movie. Yep, I know that Doctor Shock doesn't like it. I know that oh, I, I love Texas Chainsaw. And I think I know I why. I love it. I think I know why people don't like it as much as the first one, or even close to as much why? as the first Tell one. Me. It's because the tone is so different. Um, I think people are are um, caught off guard by the fact that it's more comedic in tone. But I've heard Toby Hooper and and other people say that it was meant to be kind of a parody of the first film because how can you really recreate the terror well, but- of the first movie? Well, that too, but also Toby said that people didn't get the comedy that he tried to imply in the first movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is very subtle in, in Texas Chainsaw Massacre. The, the the humor is less, you know, goofy and more sly. I feel like it's more reserved. Um, when the characters are talking to each other, there's a lot of uh, subtle humor, like when um, they're they're trying to find the watering hole to swim in, and uh, the, the guy says, Franklin was never small. <laughs> I mean, well, yeah, that's, but that's I mean, I think that what Toby did with Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 is exactly what Sam Raimi did with Evil Dead 2. Yep. Yes, I agree completely. Um, and I think that that's why I find it so entertaining and I find Evil Dead so entertaining is that it's both terrifying and funny. I think it finds a perfect, perfect balance. I agree. I, I would not say the Texas Chainsaw Massacre is as good as the first one, nor is it in no. the same. The same. No, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 is not as good as one. But that right. being said, I love Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. Mm-hmm. I understand why people don't love it. They think it's such a departure from the first one. Yep. But, you know, in defense of Toby Hooper, he was like, well, then you didn't see the humor in the first one. Right. And yeah, I, I, I think that's that. where it lands. Yeah, I can see the vibe in the first one. You see, um, you see hints at what Texas Chainsaw Two would be when they're in the graveyard and that old old man's just leaning back his head and grinning wildly and talk. And that's a very Bill Mosley, um, you know, uh, Chop Top is, is that his name? The guy with yeah, the Chop the, Top the, in Part Two. Yeah. Um, very much like that. Um, but I, it's definitely it could be shocking to somebody. They come back almost twenty years later and they make a sequel and it's totally different. It's not what you're expecting. And I think it's also about expectations when you've been waiting twenty years and then you get a sequel and it's nothing like the original. It's sort of like um with the with the prequels, Star Wars and and the the new trilogy. But as far as the original goes, 
I think the reason that a lot of people find it so effective is um, the represent what it represents. It's this uh, mindless Hicks with dangerous machinery. Is that not the most scary thing that you could possibly think of? Um, when you have people with no inhibitions and very dangerous weapons, then you've always got uh, trouble. And the Sawyer family is the embodiment of that. Yeah, but okay. Let, let's talk about this. Um, so, obviously, with the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you've got Toby Hooper and Kim Hinkle's commentary on um, automation, right? And that families are losing jobs. Yep, that gun's no good. Right. That's, you know, which is, if you ever look up an interview, Edward Neal, who plays... The hitchhiker is the least person like the hitchhiker. Mm-hmm. Right? Have you seen it? I haven't seen any interviews with him, but I can definitely see that. Um, but I hear that the reason he got the job was just because he's kind of crazy in real life. <laughs> so no, he, no. he brought oh, him into no, the no, interview. No. Yeah, you're right. He is nuts, but he's not. He's not the hitchhiker. Mm-hmm. Is he um, very? Is he very um, uh, automation? Uh, I don't even know the word. Yeah, I feel like he would not be a hick in real life, basically. Is what I'm getting no, at. he's an Austin guy. And he, I mean, he played Hamlet. I mean, he's, oh. he, he was a theater guy. And so, um, you know, he jokes that, you know, he's um, schizophrenic only being a, to be an actor. Mm-hmm. Um, but all that being said, um, you know, Edward Neal saw this. Edward Neal was a Vietnam vet. Mm-hmm. Um, and he came back and he read the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. He was doing ham. He was doing Shakespeare, um, in Austin and he read the script and he was like, Oh, this is, you know, this is a commentary on our times. And, you know, he plays the hitchhiker. He's nothing like the hitchhiker. Mm -hmm. Uh, people have met him. No, he's, he's really a sweetheart. Um, okay. So are you ready for my theory? Sure. All right, let's do this. Um, the Toby Hooper has said that Vietnam and Watergate and Nixon were in the water at the time. And he mm-hmm. said, you know, I couldn't help but bringing that into the screenplay. Right. Um, okay, so the cook mm-hmm. is Richard Nixon. Okay. All right, now follow me here. Follow me. Okay, don't don't lose me. Don't lose me. Okay. No, no, no I got you. I'm I'm still okay. with you. Okay, he's. Um, I don't want to hurt you. Mm-hmm. And then he beats people with a broom. Okay, so he's double crossing. Well, sure. And then he takes him back to the house, and he's like, "I take no, you know, I take no pleasure in killing." But oh, but Grandpa, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's family values. I see. But at the same time, it's I take no pleasure in killing. I've warned people; they didn't listen to me. All that kind of stuff. Okay. The so it's a pacif- So it's the pacifist and the war hawk all in one. Yes. Okay. It's, yeah, I get it's, that. Yes, the cook is Nixon. <laughs> yeah, I can definitely see that. That is a theme that I picked all up. All right, you can see that. I'm not alone. Yep. 
No, you're not crazy. A lot of the picks that a lot of things I picked up on while watching the movie were, as you mentioned, Vietnam War, you know, the society mistrust, you know, it's not it can't trust the establishment anymore. Uh, the meat industry, animal cruelty, that's a huge theme. Changing the, values. The, the intrinsic family, family right. values. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Um, the 70s energy crisis, I feel like that's a big theme of gasoline plays a big part in this. The whole drive yeah. of them going to the house is to find gasoline. Um, the fear of the whole radicalized family and the groups of feral people, I feel like that's um, a big thing in the 70s. Um, that's like the hills have eyes. Um, when you have a group of people right. who have been living Which in Gunner isolation. Which Hansen was offered a role in the hills have eyes and he turned it down. Right. Yeah, this is striking, strikingly similar um, thematically to The Hills Have Eyes because you have this group of people in isolation who are cannibals, first of all, just absolutely crazy. They can't be reasoned with, um, and they kind of have this understanding with the people uh, that nobody messes with them, so they're not going to mess with them back um, until, of course, the remake when we see that all go downhill. Um but there's so many themes in this movie, but when you're just watching it, you're not thinking about it. Unless you're trying to dissect it, it's very face value. It seems like a group of people goes right. to a creepy house and I they agree. get killed. Um, and I think it's purposefully designed that way. It's designed to be um, seemingly simple, um, to deceivingly simple, some would say. But upon rewatch, I think that's one of the things that keeps you coming back to the movie to try to get more and more of the themes and what the oh, writer was trying to say. Absolutely. And, and Kim Hinkle and Toby Hooper are the writers. And so you have, okay, you have the cook where he's warning them, say, you, you know, don't go there. Get, just move on, wait for the gas, and then move on. And then you have him, you know, you have Marilyn Burns show up, and then he's like, you know, you're going to be okay, but he's still beating her, right? Um, and then he he has the family, and he's like, I take no, you know, joy in killing. At the same time, he's telling them to kill. But he says, oh, but bring Grandpa down because he's the best. Mm -hmm. Tell me that's not Nixon. It is Tell 100%. me that's not yeah. Nixon. Okay, Tell yes. me that, 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 that Toby Hooper is not doing Nixon with the cook. And, and I mean, I'm telling you, that's what he's doing. And he said, you know, yeah, that was in the, that was in the water. And so I'm telling you, that is what is there folks. And so, sure. uh, yeah, absolutely. Right. And, um, and okay, so I'm wondering if that, if a lot of that was intentional or subconscious maybe, because I mean, that was so prevalent back then you couldn't help but write about it. Um, everything was about that. I'm wondering if maybe a, some of it was intentional, but a lot of it is just attributed to the time because we see other movies from this time are also about that same kind of mis like oh, sure. distrust of the political but, system. Oh, sure. But I think that Toby did it. Um, I, I think he did it best. I, mean, I, I, I think that that is this is the reason why, you know, Joe Bob Briggs said this is his favorite movie of all time. I mean, I, mm -hmm. I, I think it's just it, it just so fits that era so well. Right. Yep. And I think one of the things also that makes people love this movie so much is the visual storytelling, because this is the grimiest, most disgusting movie. Make you take a shower afterwards. 
movie I've ever seen. Rob Zombie has been chasing oh, yeah. it for all these years, but I think Chainsaw has oh, it. Oh, yeah. Because you can't yeah, help Rob but like, get sweaty watching it. He's tried. As much as I love Devil's Rejects. Devil's never... Rejects. Is, I think that's as close as it gets. I mean, House of a Thousand Corpses is more dirty, not so much as, not so much hot and grimy. It just feels like, I don't know, it's just like puke. <laughs> but um, Devil's Rejects is, is brown and dry and desert-like. That gets close, but I think that that's more akin to the Funhouse. Um, that that look, yeah. um, Texas agree. Chainsaw. I would say most disturbing movie visually. Oh, absolutely! You know that's why you have so many people saying they they thought they saw more than they saw. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that I think that's attributed to Toby Hooper's directing because the way he shoots absolutely. stuff, even the most mundane stuff, looks really disgusting and disturbing. Um, like when um, you see a character being hung on a meat hook. You never see a meat hook come out through her body and spray yeah, blood everywhere. Right. But people recall that because the way, the the performance, first of all, it's just you know blood curdling, and the way it's shot, the the quick succession of of just terrifying shots makes you think that you're seeing something super brutal, like you would see in Midsummer. But really, you're getting something more akin to Rosemary's Baby. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's just, oh my gosh, everyone in this movie, it, it was a happy accident, mm-hmm. which I hope gives you, you know, bolsters your confidence because it's, you know, so Paul Partain, who plays Franklin, mm-hmm. uh, everybody hated him on set. Yeah, I hate um, him. Well, <laughs> I hate yeah, it's hard not to, but he was, he was method acting. Mm-hmm. Um, Later, after the film was wrapped, Gunnar Hansen, Marilyn Burns also talked about how much they loved Paul Pertain, that he was just a great guy. But on set, he was doing Franklin constantly. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, yep. even Gunnar Hansen was like, oh, I couldn't wait for him to die. And so, you mm-hmm. know, but, you know, that was that was him method acting in a movie he was getting paid nothing for. <laughs> yep so he had nothing to gain but the good of the art that's really admirable yeah, yeah this movie yeah. is this and he never is... did another great role but it was just mm-hmm. he played franklin so well right happy accident like you said i can definitely Absolutely. see that yeah yep and that goes back i mean texas chainsaws you know just tale as old as, as old as time just like every trouble production comes out to be a great movie um this this yeah, is Casa also Blanca. one of those yeah Casablanca exactly casablanca evil dead yeah exactly and it Jaws. Comes perfectly. yeah exactly um and i wonder why that i mean i'd imagine that you get less coverage less uh I mean, the performances, you people wouldn't want to be participating, but for some reason, it always seems to work well. I guess the ones that we don't see are the ones where it doesn't work out. But um, for some some moments, you know, you have magic hour when you're shooting in film. It seems like Texas Chainsaw, Jaws, and um, Evil Dead, they were this magic hour of, you know, the, the film timeline where just for a second, this really troubled production burst into something great and then it was gone. Um, and I wonder, I wonder why that is. I wonder what the secret is. Um, because I think everyone can agree there isn't on a surface level there, I guess for the time it was, it was really special, but on a surface level, look, 
it's not that it's not that revolutionary of an idea a group of killers kill teens who are on a who are you know traveling across the state but then when you examine it there's something so deeply unsettling about the fact that all of these people are marching they're marching willingly to their dooms without even suspecting it i mean they walk in this house and they see these horrible Well, but things. they walk in the house. Why? Because they see no danger. Yep. Yeah, and it's... Right? It, it's just, okay, so uh, I know it's hard, especially for you, to put yourself back in 1974 because <laughs> it was almost, you know, it's 30 years before you were born. But, I mean, and you were I mean, two. Honestly, yeah, I was two. And so, but still, I mean, I remember growing up in Appalachia um, in the eighties and nineties when we didn't lock our doors. Yep. And so you had that. And, and, and so it was there. Um, and you didn't know what your neighbors were up to and, and where they were and so forth. And so, um, I think that's where this movie is coming from. It's, you know, you don't know. And okay. So it's building on deliverance and, you know, it's building mm-hmm. on all those movies where, okay, you you distrust the the rural community and, and and so forth but i mean man it's just uh it you never expect that right yep and just as like like i said earlier how the movie is deceivingly simple that's a big theme this things that are deceiving you have characters which you think you can trust but then you can't you have houses that look safe but then they aren't um, that's a huge theme. That all ties back to what you were saying about Nixon. You can't trust anybody, right. not even the movie you're watching. Um, and I'm wondering if that was intentional. You know, the house is like the situation that you're walking into willingly, not knowing that something so terrible and tragic could, could come out of it. I mean, I think right. of the hammer scene uh, with the famous door slam. That scene is so calm and mundane until it in an instant, it accelerates to 100, then back down to zero. That is a masterful example of how to build tension, relieve it, then go back to just pure terror. Oh, absolutely. And it's, you know, it, it was all happy accident, which happens. But it's just, I mean, man, look, um, okay, I worked on Capitol Hill as a congressional aide um, in the 90s when the whole Bill Clinton you know, Monica Lewinsky thing was happening when you would see um, Democrats walking around just shell-shocked. Now I'm seeing Republicans do, uh, friends of mine do the same thing. (laughs) Okay, it, it, you never know. I mean, that's part of it. You just never know. You never know what's going to happen. And um, it pops up and you're shell-shocked. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, you just yep. you just don't know. And, and I've had that. I mean, I look, um, I went to high school. Um, uh, my wife and I were talking about that this weekend. OK, so one of the guys I went to high school with is now a Lutheran pastor and I'm a minister, even though both of us were wild as you can be in high school. Mm-hmm. But one of the guys we went to high school is in jail for murder. Yep. And, you know, you just, you don't know. I mean, mm-hmm. you can't, you can't tell that stuff from the outside. And I think that's one of the things that, 
the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the power of it is, is that, okay, you're out in the country, you don't know what's going to happen, and boom, right? Right. And I like what you were saying about shell shock, because I think that's that could be examined with um, Sally at the end of the movie, yeah. and she's in the back of the pickup. That is one of those classic conundrums, one of those classic questions. Did she escape? Did she really escape? Or did her no. body escape and was her mind left back there? Oh, she's, no, she hasn't escaped. And, and that's one of the powers of Alka, also one of the movies we love, which is Strangers Pray at Night. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, which harkens back to Texas Chainsaw. Um, so, you know, this movie, I mean, it is a happy accident. We've looked at this. We've talked about this. Um, Casablanca is a happy accident. This is a happy accident. I mean, Grandpa was a 19-year-old actor. Right. Uh, you know, he didn't <laughs> want to do the makeup, so he was he didn't want to redo the makeup, so he's in it for 26 hours. Um, Marilyn Burns is a theater actress uh, who doesn't really have a career after this. Uh, Bill, you know, yeah, the guys at Horror Weekly and I have had, had this back and forth. Um, I don't think Marilyn Burns is that great of an actress, to be honest. I think she's a great screamer. She's kind of a Fay Ray kind of person. I don't think she's a great actress. That mm-hmm. being said, she I went dis- through a lot with this. You yeah, disagree I, with that? I would disagree with that. I I haven't seen her in anything but this, and I think she's in later Texas Chainsaw movies, right? Is, is she in No, the- she's in Helter Skelter. Okay. Well, I I am— well, I'm sorry. Maybe She's in other, there. maybe in other movies, but in this, I, I really, I really feel her um, develop. Oh, she does a scream. I, I like her, her performance in this movie. Oh, she fa- does a scream when she's talking. She's terrible. Okay, well, I, I would have to disagree. I haven't seen her in anything but this. Where, um, I, where does she give a good performance? I don't know. It's just a general feeling. She like where, her eyes convey oh, a lot of emotion. Come on, where does she give a good performance when she's not screaming? I don't know. She I does d- not give when she's talking to Franklin. She's terrible. It's it's community theater level. It's not good. She well, is community not theater is a lot better than I could do. And I feel like a lot uh, of it has okay, to come. Okay, but you're a director, not an actor. Okay, John Carpenter is terrible in the fog, <laughs> and he admits that. Sure. So sure. She is not a good actress. I'm sorry. She is not a good actress. She screams well. She falls out of a window well. But other than that, she is not a okay, good Okay, so then can we agree that she's a good physical actress? Because she falls out of a window well? She yeah. through certain glass and she, she does, a, a, does a lot of her own stunts. I mean, she does a lot of crazy stuff in this movie. So She's running. So does I mean we could go on and sure. on and on. So does Dan I think she does a great Curtis. job. So does... I don't. I can see. I can uh, see that uh, you don't. You don't think so. But I don't think it takes away from the movie, even if her performance isn't uh, top notch. She's not. Um, she has She's become. Not her face has become iconic just from that ending scene, and I think that in itself is commendable. I would not cast her in anything. <laughs> okay. Well, and, um, I think we can. I think we can all agree that the whole. And unlike Bill Shetty, I've actually directed something. So, <laughs> and no, I would not cast her in anything. Okay. 
I, I, I see you're passionate about it. I've never seen her in anything else. So that's probably why I don't mind her performance. Um, I think we can both agree that the entire Sawyer family does a great job. That they're so. Oh, Jim, uh, uh, don't get me wrong. William Neal as the hitchhiker. Um, Gunnar Hansen as Leatherface, Jim Seidel as the cook. And of course, Gunnar Hansen. Yeah, they're fantastic. Mm -hmm. But Marilyn Burns is, no. Um, No. She screams well, other than that, uh, no. And once again, Lady Phantom and Bill Shetty have directed, have at a budget, have directed, would not cast her. There you go. So, um, no. Um, Just to to clarify, I I agree with Bill Shetty and uh, Lady Phantom on a lot of things. Um, I was listening to their podcast this week. I, I, um, I, I, I agree with a lot of what they say. Of course, I'm Team Jay. Um, he's he's the goat, as the as the kids say. (laughs) I am one, but uh, you think Halloween Halloween 2018 is terrible? No, but I said I agree. Oh. I agree on something. Is Halloween 2018 terrible? No. In fact, it was in my top right. 10 of that so, year. But, exactly. but, but I do so agree can, with them on some things. Yeah. I think a, a lot of the movies that they, they review highly, I, I do enjoy as well. I mean, I think film is a universal language okay, yeah. when it's, it comes to some movies. It's a great film. Um, Killing a Sacred Deer has its moments. I'm yep. not arguing They were hot that. on that one. Yeah, I remember Bill Shetty was hot on but Killing a Sacred Deer. They... Lady Phantom and Bill Shetty thought Halloween 2018 was crap. And I can hear, I, I personally don't feel that way, but I, I can understand where uh, they're no, coming no, no, from. No, 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 Do you feel that way or not? I do not feel that. I do not agree okay. that Halloween 2018 is bad. But and tell them that, no, it's, it's, a, it's a good movie. But check out Horror Movie Weekly. Um, I have checked it. I listened to it every week. I'm sorry. They're wrong. Um, their coverage of uh, of some movies. I mean, they're only on episode ten, I think. Um, which okay, means, but Bill Shetty yeah. thinks Halloween Halloween twenty eighteen. Yes, is crap. I know. Ha- Halloween twenty eighteen. He thinks yeah. that Sleepaway Camp is. Yes. I, I mean, come on. What's... I like Sleepaway Camp. <laughs> but are you going to tell me that Sleepaway Camp is a better film than no. Halloween twenty eighteen? No. Well, I mean. Uh, okay. I mean, uh, obviously, no, I love, I love Halloween on. 2018. I've got it Throw on the steelbook. Come uh, on, buddy. Come on. Come on. Come on. <laughs> I'm not backing down. I like Horror Movie Weekly. I don't agree with the Halloween 2018 thing. Um, I don't agree that, I mean, obviously, you know your stuff about movies. You've seen, you see, like, what, a thousand a year, um, and you've been behind uh, the camera on a lot of projects. You know what it's like to be in Hollywood. Unlike um, Bill Shetty, yes. I've so, actually yeah. yes. But yes. I think Bill, Bill Shetty is, as a reviewer, he has some good points on, on a lot of movies. I agree with him on a lot. Like what? Um, I, I don't know. I don't have like notes what? up right now. Exactly. Let me let me come back. Let me come back next episode with some with some. Um, All right, that's fine. Point. He he thinks that Halloween twenty eighteen is crap. Yep, I know, I know. And I, he I thinks Friday thirteenth sure. part eight is a sure. good move. I I now, would, I would not agree on either of those things. I would say that Halloween twenty eighteen is a good movie. I would say that um, Friday the thirteenth part eight is flawed and uh, most flawed? most. Flawed. Yes, I would flawed. say that it's well. You're you know, say just you flawed. know what I gave it. I think what did I give it a five out of ten? 
So I did. I didn't rate it highly, but I, like I said before, I think it's got a lot of fun moments. The '80s hair oh, metal. I don't. I don't. I and, don't um, deny that. It, it has the nostalgia thing, but sure. is it a good movie? It isn't, and I would. I would say exactly. Is- and he says Halloween 2018 isn't, and I would say that what David Gordon Green and everyone did, Ryan Turek, did with Halloween 2018 is amazing. But he can agree that Texas Chainsaw Massacre is a great film. Well, yeah, and so does Jay the Dead, and so does Lady Phantom, and so does Dave Becker. So we all, That's not we're my all big point. happy family yeah, on Texas. We're all good with that. I'm just saying that if you're saying Hollywood 2018 is a bad horror movie, mm-hmm. but that Jason Takes Manhattan is a good horror movie. I feel like somehow we've gotten off topic. No, come on. Grow a pair. Come on. Say what you think. I I disagree about the Halloween 2018 thing. But I would still I would still say that Oh no um, no 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 no. Is Friday the 13th a Jason Takes Manhattan a good film? Um objectively no. Exactly. And that's my point. Okay. It is not a good film. It is a terrible film. It's a horrific film. Okay. <laughs> you can look back on it and say, it, you know what? It's so bad it's good. I'm okay with that. I, I, I am. Right? I like No Gun Massacre. I like Troll 2. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I like Troll 2 too. I'm, I'm with you there, buddy. I'm, I'm good with that. I'm good with saying, okay, there are movies so bad that they're good. I'm okay with that. I really am. But Friday the 13th Part 8 has to fall into that or not at all. Because it is not a good movie. Fair enough? Sure. Okay. Thank you. Yes. And (laughs) Halloween 2018 is a good movie. Jamie Lee Curtis gives a great performance in that. Does she not? Uh, Yes, I would agree. Okay. And so, you know, I, I don't care about he nitpicked it to death i think it was still overall a really good horror film right i I loved it i I, you know i watched it with a packed audience they loved it Mm -hmm. i thought it was a great horror film right yep and but but that 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 comes back to i can disagree with critics on things and and agree with them on others i mean i love land of the creeps i love I love Greg Amortis, but I thought I that he too. tweeted out that he thought that Terminator Dark Fate was was really great, and I watched it, and I did not feel the same way. Um, I, I yep, I I understand that. That's okay, but you you know, here's the point. Okay, so you know you can look at Greg and say, you know what, I disagree with that, and and Greg may disagree with you on that as well, but where Bill Shetty drives me crazy is that he then attacks people who disagrees with him. Greg wouldn't do that. Sure. And I'm, I'm glad Greg is, is a gracious, gracious human being. Yes. Greg is amazing. Greg is a gracious human being who, if you disagree with him, he doesn't attack you. He doesn't do that because he's a good guy. And of course he's got the coolest accent of anybody in the podcasting community. Yes. Greg is one of the coolest guys. Period. Welcome to land (laughs) of the creeps horror podcast. (laughs) Yes. He is. Greg is amazing. So it's, but he doesn't attack people who disagrees with him. Bill Shetty does. And lady phantom does. And that's what drives me crazy. It's like, okay, um, I'm not trying to restart a fight 
because mm -hmm. they gave us nasty reviews on iTunes. And all that stuff. I'm here's the deal. Mm -hmm. um, I respect Lady Phantom. I respect yep. Bill Shetty. It's mm -hmm. just respect people who disagree with you. Yep, I can. That's I mean, I that's can my point. That. Yeah, it's okay. Okay, so they disagree with you. Just respect them. I I I agree with Rebecca McKendry mm -hmm. um, from Shockwaves and Nightmare Podcast. Fangoria. Yep. She teaches horror movie. You know, uh, horror movies at. USC, she writes for, you know, Fangoria, all that stuff. And she says, you know, look, look, Horace in the eye of the beholder. Absolutely. Yes. I that, agree that with is, that. I absolutely agree with that. That absolutely. is what I think we should land on. Horror is in the eye of the beholder. Um, what is scary to one person is it could not be scary to another and vice versa. Agreed. Um, and I, I'll still be listening to that. They've got an episode up on Haunt, which I thought was a great movie from 2019. I'm Loved interested it. to see what they would they. I'm interested to see what they'll say about that, and um, I would recommend also. Yeah, I, I want to listen to horror movie weekly, and of course, because mainly because we love Jay. We Jay love is awesome. Jay. He yeah. is awesome. But I, so, I find myself, I find myself agreeing a lot of the time. Um, Lady Phantom has a lot of really great things to say, and and Bill Shetty, of course. I mean, um, I mean, he's been in the game so long. Um, both of them. Both of them. Uh, anyways, we're getting this episode about Texas Chainsaw. Well, Blast. but okay. <laughs> one of my best friends. Okay, um, one of my best friends in the world is my age, exactly my age, forty-seven mm -hmm. years old. Has been watching horror movies as long as I have. Yep. Hated us. Mm -hmm. Hated Get Out. Yep. Okay, they're wrong. Yeah, I'm sorry. I they're think I know wrong. who you're talking about. I love the guy, but yeah. they're wrong. I'm sorry. Us sure. and Get Out are amazing. Jordan Peele is a genius. Yep. I would agree. I mean, as okay, you are already studying film, mm -hmm. right? Yep. Okay. Tell me, as a person who is studying film, you're doing editing every morning, all kind of stuff. When you watch Jordan Peele, what do you see? Well, obviously, the man's a master. I mean, he's got... Okay, that's what I was getting at. So you have these critics who are saying, oh, he's crap, he's not horror, he's all kind of stuff. Okay, mm -hmm. you're a horror movie fan, you are directing and editing film, yep. and you're looking at Jordan Peele, and you're saying what? Well, I mean, you can really get an appreciation for how great his movies are when you try to make your own, because the way that, especially, I mean, I love Get Out, obviously, um, that was on my top 10 for the year it came out, and um, I still rewatch it from time to time. my top 10 uh, of um, all time, so, yeah. Um, so, but Us, really dissecting Us, it has a lot of really complex scenes, uh, horror-wise. It's amazing. And the way it uses settings is really fantastic, and the, and the like, the way that he uses the camera to induce terror into you is very akin to Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I feel like. He takes a lot of influence from Hooper and Hitchcock and people like that to produce this wholly original yet um, derivative, almost, thing from other movies. And lovingly, it takes uh, movies that he appreciates and I'm sure has dissected and it makes right. its own thing, which calls back to those in subtle ways, which horror fans can see and go, hey, look, there's, uh, there's uh, you know, a callback to the ending of 
chainsaw or that reminds me of the family dinner scene or whatever stuff like that um mm-hmm. and i i think that i think that the themes in the movie we're talking about in this episode uh texas chainsaw carry over into today's cinema especially with peel um no absolutely get out absolutely. is very akin yeah. get out is very akin to texas chainsaw and that it's oh, a person absolutely. in a yeah. strange place with people who are deceivingly crazy who they want to harvest their body. I mean, think about that. Um, that in itself is really is really crazy that it's influencing filmmakers so many years later. And, um, of course, Peel is one of the people I'm watching. I mean, obviously, Candyman, he's producing uh, Twilight oh, Zone. Wait. Twilight Zone, wait. he's producing the new Twilight Zone on CBS. Yeah. Um, so many different things he's dipping his fingers into and he it never feels like he's overstretching himself like he's spread too thin i feel like he is the new he's like a new corman except he's not making schlocky movies he's making oh i content. would argue he's actually the new hitchcock because okay. it's so with careful. hitchcock known for producing stuff also like like well, overseeing. Yeah, but i mean yeah because hitchcock presents the television That's true. show he didn't direct yep. he produced and so yep. but it was you know, what Jordan does is it's so careful. It, it, there's so much care put into every shot, into every story beat. Like Cooper. And and that's, well, I would actually argue better than Hooper because I think Hooper, after Poltergeist, mm-hmm. um, kind of lost his edge. Sure. The same way that John Carpenter kind of lost his edge after The Thing. Yeah, I feel like a lot of that, both Carpenter and Hooper, it has to do with, um, you know, lessening returns on their movies and people yeah. belittling them. I mean, The Thing was a huge flop, and obviously Carpenter put his heart and soul into that movie because it's so right. fantastic. Um, right. And the same, I think, is true of the whole Poltergeist, Spielberg, Hooper thing, where people were really belittling him, like, oh, this is really Spielberg's oh, movie. Oh, I agree. After you look at... Cooper after Poltergeist, you look at Carpenter after the thing, and it's diminishing returns. It, it's mm-hmm. just not, it, it doesn't compute. And so, you know, if you watch interviews, I, which I have with Carpenter, he's basically said that after, after the thing, he kind of gave up the ghost. Mm-hmm. He was kind of phoning it in. And I think you can see that. Um, right. And, and, and the same thing with so many directors. Um, and it's weird to say this. I've said this before, but if you go and watch Norm MacDonald's show on mm-hmm. Netflix where he yep. interviews, um, you know, M. Night Shyamala. Mm-hmm. And M. Night is talking about how, you know, he kind of lost his mojo for a while. And... I, I think it's there. It, directors need to be wary of that. I mean, it really does. And I look, I, I, I copped that when I directed a music video for Latin MTV, um, I phoned it in. Right. I said, okay, here's what they want. I've seen what, what's, you know, trending on that. I, I've done that. Yep. I didn't take chances. And I've done that. I yep. should have. It's, yeah, you It's all about that, the experience, right? and sometimes, very rarely, it's about the paycheck, but it's usually just about the experience of working with other people because you really got to build up that and, and make connections. Right. It, it's there, and it, it kind of hangs over you. And so that's, you know, that's 
my point with this. I think that happened right. to Toby Hooper. I think that happened to Wes Craven. I think that happened to John Carpenter. Um, and it's, look, it's hard to avoid. I'm not blaming them. I, it's really hard to avoid. And I think um, it has a lot to do, you know, we criticize child stars because they go off the rails, but that's just because they're thrust into fame so early on. Hooper, you know, it's kind of this anomaly where he makes Texas Chainsaw Massacre and suddenly it's huge. It's a it's a countrywide, worldwide phenomenon just right. because of its reputation. And that really thrusts him into the public eye when he was, I'm sure he wasn't really expecting it to be the, the epidemic oh, no. it was. No, he wasn't expecting that. Um you know, but, you know, look, it's there. And so he does, I think with TCM, you know, it's his first feature film. Mm -hmm. He's done documentaries before that. He did a film called Eggshells, like I said, but it's his first real, real feature film. And he's commenting on Vietnam and he's commenting on, um, you know, the, uh, the process of, you know, putting people out of will work with, you know, um, with corporations, you know, kind of going with decentralization. It, yeah. It's just, he's doing all that, but, um, he's really focusing on what he's grown up with, which he, mm -hmm. he's talked about, you know, he loved Dracula. He loved Frankenstein. He loved all this kind of stuff. Um, he you can see was, Frankenstein in this movie. Oh, yeah, you can. Leatherface yeah, is very much like the monster. Oh, absolutely. And he's also looking at, you know, um, Watergate and so forth. And so he's putting all that together. And it's kind of the perfect, you know, you know, storm yep. of a horror movie. And so, it, it, you know, it's just great. But um, when I first watched it, and I kind of had to dare myself to watch it when I was yeah. a kid. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so I watched it. And I thought, uh, first time I watched it, I thought, eh, you know, I don't think it's that great. I know I, I, the performances aren't that great. All really? It took me a while to appreciate it. I was enamored with it from the first time I saw it because really? I, I saw it at the perfect time. I was over at a friend's house. Everybody else was asleep. I didn't have anywhere to sleep. I was cold, didn't have a blanket. So I decided to stay up and watch movies. First movie I watched, Halloween 2. Um, I, it was a rewatch. Mm -hmm. I'd seen it before. Yeah. Second movie I watched, I was like, okay, I need, I need something different, something that I haven't seen before. So I watched Texas Chainsaw Massacre for the first time all the way through. Of course, I had seen clips. It's unavoidable. Um, but I watched Texas Chainsaw all the way through for the first time, and I was just completely enamored with it. I mean, even Franklin, who's the most annoying character in the world, I mean, when he died, I was like, oh, that's that's terrifying. That's shocking. Um, right. And the immersion. I mean, Texas Chainsaw really immerses you in this world. It's, it's, yeah, it it's, does. It's an alternate reality where people just are cruel and they have no moral laws. Um, they're willing to look the other way while something terrible happens, and it's just right. a world of lawlessness, almost like Mad Max in a way. I mean, the Texas wasteland is is a lot like the the nuclear wasteland, or not. Well, the, and that the, was what Toby Hooper said he was afraid of. I mean, it was like you know he said he grew up in Austin, but you grew, you know, you drove out of Austin. It was almost like a alien planet i yep, mean it was like just, mars you know, yeah and, and so okay i went to seminary in texas you weren't born yet but you know i went to seminary in, in abilene texas when you flew in to dallas and then you drove from dallas to abilene i mean you're looking at you know snake farms 
Yeah, ghost ghost towns. I'm sure oh, lots of it's... lots of what we see in the movie. Oh, we see man. those tin cans hanging from trees and generators yeah. just sitting out and all this rust. And I can't even imagine actually seeing that in real life and seeing how people live that way. I mean, it's just terrible that all this stuff just piles up. Um, thankfully, I'm I'm you know I'm blessed to live in in a place where you know everything's clean we have like street sweepers and uh community cleanup projects and stuff like that but these people don't get that they're out they're out there fending for themselves they have one highway that passes through which puts pollution there and that's about it right um so it's it's terrifying and and it's but it's there yep and if you've been in west texas you've seen it you've understood it Uh, i've seen it you know snake farms and and freak shows what is and, a, what is a snake farm i've always since i it's since i heard the song you pull over and it's it's snakes. weirdly yeah it's rattlesnakes <laughs> and copperheads and all that kind of stuff and yeah it's snake, that's farm, a snake farm pretty much yeah yeah, yeah <laughs> ever since i heard the song um i've always Which wondered I play what for was. you yeah yeah i mean why <laughs> Why? What's the no point idea. of a of a, a snake farm? I mean, you can go to a zoo. You don't really need to go out there and see a, a rattlesnake in the middle of the desert, where the um, closest hospital is more than. You, it's there. They advertised everywhere, but it's just Great. it's there. But you know, so you have this family. I really believe it's a commentary on Nixon, Watergate, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. I think it's. It does, okay. Um, mm-hmm. People are getting mad at me about this, but are you debating? I think it, I, I think it has um, application to today. Um, I think it does, um, but it's there. I, I, I really do, but it's just, uh, yeah. You know, it, it, I think that what Toby did with Texas Chainsaw Massacre was he really made um, a timeless commentary on oh, yeah. corruption and isolation. And so you take like yeah. Gunnar Hansen has said, as I said earlier, you know, Gunnar has said that, you know, when he got the part after the first actor bugged off because he was drunk yep. all the time. Yep. And so he gets the part and you know, he spends a lot of time with mentally disabled people and he tries to replicate that and he does it. And, you know, for Gunner, it was a one-time deal. I mean, he wanted to be an author and he was a prolific author, actually. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so Gunner does it and he's like, you know what? I, I, I was just trying to play this as a person who was really wounded and and mentally ill and you know and so forth you got William Neal who's a Vietnam vet who plays the hitchhiker and he's nothing like the character he plays he's a Mm -hmm. really funny you know likable guy you have Jim Seidel who Bill Mosley said told the best uh, dirty jokes he's ever heard Uh, (laughs) and that's a lot coming from Bill Mosley yeah and And so Jim's just this really warm guy. You have all these warm people and they're playing these horrific characters. Yep. That's a real testament to their prowess as actors. Absolutely. And Jim was a theater guy. William Neal, who played the hitchhiker, was a 
you know, theater guy. The only person who wasn't a professional actor was Gunnar Hansen, who played Leatherface. He was, you know, he was a, a guy who was studying English literature and Scandinavian yeah. literature. You got those guys. Marilyn Burns was a professional actress. She didn't do much beyond this. Yep. Um, As you said, uh, Helter Skelter. Yeah, was she the, was in Helter was the Skelter. Extent of that. And well, let's for a second. Can we? Can we? Um, I, I don't. I don't know if this is off track, but I want to talk about Leatherface for a second. Just um, why is he so fascinating to pop culture? Leatherface as a character, mm. he's kind of like Boba Fett in a way that we don't know very much about him. But just looking at him, he seems really interesting. Like you want to know more about him. There's something innocent about him, but but he's also super sinister. I, I want to know why people are so obsessed with Leather, Leatherface. Well, I think you have to give some credit to Gunnar Hansen because, like, his teeth, he went to his dentist and yep. asked for fake teeth. Yep. Um, and and so stuff like that. And so I, I think it's that um, we are naturally fearful mm-hmm. of, of those we can't connect with. Yep. So you're saying I, that since he's part of it, since he can't explain why he's killing, since he's nonverbal, that that scares us. And, Absolutely. Um, sort of I, like I Michael Myers, that, then. Well, yeah. I mean, if we can't connect with people, mm-hmm. I think that's a serious issue for us. And that brings because up, we're used to negotiating and talking right. So right, forth. like even when you're getting mugged, it's always you know, you know, don't don't do this, man. Here's all my money. You know, you can't do that with Leatherface. Um, right. And the same the same is true with all characters that live behind a mask. I think that's why the mask is so terrifying because you can't tell who the person is underneath it, what they're talking about. And Leatherface, I don't even know what he looks like underneath the mask. Do, do we ever see him in this movie no, without the mask don't. on? No, no um, we don't. Yeah. And that's what's really terrifying is we never see who the killer is. I mean, it's sort of like Black Christmas in a way, although you do see his face. It's just, you know, in shadow. But in, when watching it on a 4K Blu-ray, you can clearly tell what he looks like. Well, we'll get to that because we're going to do Black Christmas versus Black Christmas versus Black Christmas. I'm so excited. Even though you've already made your mind up. And yeah, so, the trailer ruined it for me. I'm sorry. I shouldn't I watch the trailer. I have not watched the trailer and I'm not going to. But um, I think that Leatherface is a projection of our nightmares, right? Mm-hmm. Sure. And he's a project. I feel like um, during this time, during the the mid seventies, or I guess it was written in the early seventies, um, there was a real revolution going on with diagnosing mental disorders and um, and you know all these different things were coming up. Like autism was being more fully understood. And um, yeah, but that didn't really happen to the nineties, really. Right, right. But but before this, it was all just lumped into one big thing. Right. This is when we're starting to see a little bit of different differentiating between the different diagnoses and really starting to understand this. But the more we understand how the brain works, the less we understand really, because when we understand one thing, we, it raises another question. And I'm wondering if that has something to do with it. Just that this fear that more and more children are getting diagnosed with, you know, stuff like autism and, um, it's 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 i don't it's, think that was there in the 70s i, I think we're reading not. back maybe into yeah maybe maybe that's that's the modern eyes reading back into the 70s yeah, movie. and i think I, a lot of that's think, applicable yeah i don't think that's you know yeah i don't think that when it came out that's what people were thinking sure but i i i think now that's yeah i think you're right now i mean reading back into that yeah 
I, I think that's a, the same. A, Right, the same is true about Night of the Living Dead. I mean, we're looking back on it with fresh eyes and reading into themes that probably weren't there sure. whenever they're making it. And I think that's an interesting thing. Whenever you create a piece of art and it's seen completely differently, uh, you know, just even year, just years later, I'm wondering when we look back on early silent films and even paintings from the medieval era, how are we seeing these works of art differently? And even Texas Chainsaw Massacre, if we could have seen this in the 70s, how would yeah. we see it differently now? Uh, yeah, that's a good point. Um, but now, looking back on it, I think that now being more sensitive to you know the spectrum, um, and frankly, I'm on the spectrum. Um, but that being said, looking back on it, um, you can see Leatherface in a much more sympathetic light, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the rest of the family, not so much. No, no. The hitchhiker and... Maybe Grandpa. Grandpa doesn't really know where he is. He's, he's just raising his hand. Okay. Well, but... Come on. I mean, the way they portray Grandpa. Sure. Maybe maybe what's meant to be inferred is that he used to be a really great killer, and now he's just a withered-away old man, and they've got to do it for him. Right, because they still have Grandma, who is gone. And, right. yeah. So it's—but that goes back to where Toby Hooper's trying to, you know, display kind of the inverse of the traditional family values thing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, that's a big fear of the 70s, the, the disillusionment with the, that 50s nuclear family. Right, right, um, right, absolutely. So, okay, so Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I've given my theory. I think it's mm-hmm. largely Nixon. a commentary on Nixon. And, yeah, yeah. All right, you can say what you want. <laughs> um, it's obviously commenting on, you know, the... Uh, taking over factories by automation and that kind of stuff. And so we have that. Um, What else do you want to say about Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Well, just, I've just got one more thing. And that's this whole story, obviously loosely based off of Ed Gein, who is an infamous, he's not really a serial killer. He's more, he, he murdered what two people and he, he just robbed graves. That's his most prolific work. I guess if you want to call it that. Yeah, um, but he's a pretty sick mother. Yeah, yeah, he is, and almost literally. Um, uh, yeah. Anyways, but but many believe it to be one hundred percent true, based on the title crawl and the the realism of the first, in, you right. know, the introductory. Right. Jer- yeah, John Larroquette got mm-hmm. you know gave the crawl for a joint. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I heard Joe Bob tell the story that uh, Hooper was like, "Can you sound like Orson Welles?" No, it does not sound like Orson Welles, but he needs No, a it job. does not, yeah. Um, but a lot of people believe this to be 100% true, sort of like the Blair Witch Project, how people thought, you know, this is, a, this is real footage. I mean, this is right. found footage. Um, I think it's consistently fooled people because of the, the performances, yes, the cinematography, yes, but also just the fact that who would think this up? You know what I mean? It's one of those movies that's, that's so demented. And for such a, like a guy like Hooper, who se- was seemingly normal to everybody, that something like this could come out. I mean, obviously they were all hippies. Yeah, he's right? a liberal um, pacifist from University right. of Texas. Yeah. 
and and you would think, you know, pacifists, why would this come out of that? And then you look at the themes. You look at the themes of, of violence and corruption in the meat industry, and you're like, okay, now I get it. He's trying to, to make a message. And oftentimes right. the best way to um, really drive your message home is to use extremes and to, and to really, um, you know, shove stuff in your face. That's why we see these scare tactic com- campaigns with uh, certain issues. Um, but I'm wondering if... Texas Chainsaw in itself has changed the way we look at true crime like movies, these these based on a true story movies, if that seed of doubt is now in our minds. Because this fooled us so well that until you were told that it's not based on a real story, that that's just... No, I, I agree with you. I mean, having worked on a criminal, you know... Um, all right, let me get my stuff together here. Um, having worked on a case that has leaked onto true crime podcasts and yeah, television episodes and all that kind of stuff, and um, seeing where people automatically kind of take a skeptical attitude. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's just our culture now. I, I mean, yeah, we've we. As a culture, we used to be so accepting of everything that was given to us. I mean, we see a, a, a headline, we see an introduction to a movie. Great, okay, true story, 100% true fact. Um, this happened, I guess, this, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre is a real thing. And um, now we are so skeptical with everything to the point where when we see a video on a news channel, like a reputable source, now we have to question that. I mean, back in the day... You couldn't even dream of that. The news broadcasting something that that was doctored. It's so easy to be doctored by anybody. Um, and that's just a theme that I feel like, and that harkens back to the the whole deceitful thing. But that's that's the right. last thing I have to say about the movie. I feel like we're running in circles. Basically, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, one of the most layered horror movies ever made. Um, it's just masterful in every regard. And I think anybody that hasn't seen it, I can't imagine you haven't seen it. If you're listening to this episode, you've gotten this far. If you're even subscribed to this podcast, you've seen the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. But have you really analyzed it? That's my question for the viewers. Or the Absolutely. No, absolutely, because it, it, you're right. It is multi-layered. On the one hand, it is a film about a cannibal family that feels threatened and attacked. But at the other hand, it's it really is um, a film that comments on its times, whether it's Vietnam or whether it's automation or whatever. It does an amazing job of that, and that's why it's look. It's number five on my all-time horror list mm-hmm. uh, it's only behind the exorcist uh halloween jaws and psycho mm-hmm. it's in that company it's right by, uh before get out and i have no apology i'll just say i think Jordan <laughs> yeah. Bill's an, a, a, a genius and so it's there and I, I think it's amazing and so yeah it's texas chainsaw massacre is a 10 out of 10 for me it's okay right up there it is a buy. I have the um, limited edition Black Mariah, you know. Um, yep. Yeah, I I've got the that. truck. Yeah, I've got the truck. I've got the bloody, you know, apron that comes with it. It's awesome. it's amazing. So, what do you rate it? Well, um, I'm giving it. I feel like it's going to be controversial. I'm giving it a nine point five. Nine point um, five. Yep. I'm not giving it a perfect score. Um, 
Because I think oh. there, um, as far as the issues go, of course, this is an amazing film. I've I've talked about it at length about how great it is. Um, Franklin, <laughs> Franklin though, get seeing him die but is so great. But he was great. doing it method. He yep. was a method actor. But when he's on he's screen, it's method. just when he's on screen. I think it goes a little too oh. long sometimes. You remember the scene when he's rolling through the the on the wheelchair and he goes, yes, <laughs> like that. That well, that holds on for like forty-five seconds of him doing that. Oh, it's gonna be fun, Franklin. You know he him doing that. He didn't know that they were going. To, oh, okay, come on. He didn't know they were going to use all of that. Nope, but they did. Um, so uh, okay. Texas Chainsaw, fantastic film, nine point five out of ten. I would call it a buy. Um, but if you have Shutter, it is streaming there. Um, also, it's on Joe Bob Briggs' Dinners of Death. He does a great uh, job covering it. He knows everything there is to say about that movie. Yeah. Um, he knows, he said, as he admits, he knows too much about that movie. Um, so you really know the ins and outs of it by the time you're done with that. So I would recommend that. I, I remember watching the live stream of that. And that was only the second time I had ever seen the movie before. Honestly, I think this is, what, the third time I'd ever seen it? Um, really? When I went into seeing it. Yeah, like I said, wow. I the first time I ever saw it was um, was maybe a little over a year ago. Then I saw it with Dinners of Death in November, last November. Wow. And then um, okay. this November, I've revisited it. So it's it's interesting. I mean, I've gained so much knowledge of it just from seeing it on my own and seeing it twice with you know Joe Bob. Um, so nine point five out of ten, I would call it a buy. Um, and I just want to leave you with this: The Texas Chainsaw Massacre Two. You should definitely check it out. Any movie with Absolutely. a parody of The Breakfast Club in its poster deserves oh, a watch. I love the Texas Chainsaw Massacre too. Yes. Yep. But yeah, the first one is a buy for me as well. The second one is um, also a buy. But mm-hmm. you need to. It needs to be a ten out of ten, buddy. It's a it's ten out of ten. Yeah, no. It's On a my 10. list, well, I'll put it in context. So. Um, as far as my top 10 of all time goes, like I said, it was number nine. I think I mentioned that twice now. Um, oh. It is number nine. What it comes behind is uh, Shaun of the Dead, The Fly, The Shining, Rosemary's Baby, Psycho, Jaws, Halloween, Creature from the Black Lagoon. I don't think I can budge on any of those. Dawn of the Dead is behind it, though. That should mm. tell you how good. And you remember, I think I gave Dawn of the Dead a 10 out of 10. But um, that was for that series. I think Texas Chainsaw Massacre, 9.5 out of 10. That is a super high rating. Um, can't recommend it enough. Revisit it, still, even if you've seen it before. You can have it to number nine and have a 10 out of 10. I'm just saying. Okay. I'm just saying. So. All right. Uh, I'll, I'll reconsider. I'll, 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 I'll watch it again, and I'll revisit it again and again, try to analyze it some more because I feel like there's more to get, and uh, I'll, uh, I'll get back to you. All right, buddy. Well, it's always great podcasting with you. And so we've got some guests coming up. So yes, I'm so excited. Yeah. Next week, we've got uh, Big Bill coming on to talk about Invasion yeah. of the Body Snatchers. In two weeks, we have Barry Ashley coming on to talk about Return of the Living Dead. So yes. we've got some great guests coming on. And so that will be coming up in the next coming weeks. But until then, um, well, <laughs> let's just be completely honest. And say that, yeah, Texas Chainsaw is better than you're giving it. But anyway, that being said, it's better. It's better. It's better. 9.5. Well, think about it. Let's think about this. 9.5. That's a 95 out of 100. That's a, no, that's a great rating, but it's 10 out of 10. It's not a perfect film. Can we both agree it's not perfect? 
No, it's perfect. You, you don't it's think it has any flaws at all? I didn't say that. I just said that it's still 10 out of 10. Okay. All right, 9.5 out of 10 for me. Um, I've said that many times now, uh, but um, uh, again, and, and just this is such a – you don't need our opinions on this. Obviously, everybody knows that Texas Chainsaw Massacre is one of the seminal horror classics. 10 out of 10. All right. I can see, I can see you're not budging on this, just like with nope. the movie weekly thing. Oh, I shouldn't have brought that up. Um, just like with that, um, ten out of ten. Okay, sure, whoa, 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 whoa. What do you mean I'm not budging on the horror movie weekly? Be- because I mean it's just like <laughs> I love how we we derailed the whole podcast for for what five six minutes on horror movie weekly. Um, I would just like to say about their podcast, they did coverage of Tusk. Um, Cabin Fever, The Void. They've done all these great episodes. And they didn't like The Void, and they were wrong. Sure. Um, Wrong. Okay. Um, Alien Covenant, Scary Stories to Tom Stark. And they were wrong on on Alien Covenant. I left them a five-star review on their thing um, because Jay is fantastic. Jay Jay is awesome. Um, And uh, Lady Phantom and Bill Shetty are... They have some really great uh, takes on stuff, so it's really interesting to... Uh, Jay does, yes. Okay. Well, I think we're ready to wrap up this podcast because we've made enough controversial opinions with me with my 9.5 out of 10. Well, yeah, that's controversial opinion. That being said, um, Bill Shetty's wrong. Lady Phantom's wrong. Jay is typically okay. But he was wrong on the void. The void is amazing. I love you. I love you guys. That year. And so he he's he's he means well. Who means well? You do. You still listen to the podcast. I listen to the podcast. Doesn't mean I yeah. agree with it. Sure. Well, I listened. I I've seen CNN news, and I don't necessarily agree with everything <laughs> they say. So, but I'm not likening them to CNN. I think Horror Movie Weekly is very entertaining. It's a great, really <laughs> entertaining podcast. Um, I mean, the editing is fantastic. I think the theme song is it is is amazing. Um, I agree. It's they not cover. It's they not. Cover it's not, not the music that we've talked about this. Land of the Creeps has the best. Yes, Andy Usery. Yeah, Andy I would. Usery does a, oh, he does a great job. Yeah. Land okay, of the but, Creeps. Yeah, it's so cool. Okay. That being said, mm-hmm. I love Jay. Um, let me just say one of the best I, guests we've we've had on the podcast. Oh, absolutely. He we, was. When we discussed about the descent. It was fantastic. That being said. Yep. That being said. Mm-hmm. Okay. Lady Phantom, who I respect. Yep. Bill um, Shetty, who I respect. Awesome. Yes. Their opinions are. <laughs> I feel like you've said this before. You yeah. need to clarify. Well, you need to. You need to. There's no to... clarification. They're wrong. Um, okay. They're all right. Their opinions are bad, and it's that simple. Oh. Okay. Well, I, I'm not backing off of that. Their their opinions are bad. That's it's that simple. Hey, let's end the podcast on a on a on a great note on a on an optimistic note. We've got a lot more followers on Twitter. James loves horror. Um, Sean Matthews, um, Jason himself follows us on Twitter. Uh, yeah. Andy, of course, Andy Usery, formerly of the Black yes, Cat, Andrew, now um, yeah. musician. You know, obviously yep. he did the theme for yep. uh, Land Creeps. So a lot of great people. Amanda Williams, uh, end of Dave's. I think we've mentioned before. Yes, a lot of great people. We have mentioned before, yeah. 
they're very engaged in the community. Um, I would recommend following them, you know, just seeing what they're Absolutely. talking about, seeing what movies they're watching. Um, I would recommend um, just put your feelers out there, especially even though the Halloween season is over. Um, not my heart, but in, in most people's um, calendars. Um, I, I would say put your feelers out there because the horror community community doesn't stop being interesting after October. You've got a lot of great releases coming up in November. Yes. Um, Nightingale, so, Parasite. Yes. Yeah, we've got a lot of I cannot wait to see yet. Parasite. Oh my gosh. I can't either. So much oh, hype. Yeah, I haven't I seen The Lighthouse yeah. yet either. I haven't seen Three from Hell. Oh, um, I want to see The Lighthouse. I have seen Three from Hell, and it is good, but I cannot wait to see Lighthouse and yep. Nightingale and Parasite. I cannot wait. Absolutely. We have so many return directors coming back this year. I mean, obviously. Oh, um, and Haunt. Yes. Have you seen Haunt? Yeah, I saw Haunt. Um, Haunt. And? I saw Haunt. I think did I, did I see that one in theaters? Oh, I thought Haunt was fantastic. Um, that that'll be at least oh, in my honor. Haunt is just so much fun. But I have I to see, love Haunt. I, I have to so... see. Like I said, I have to see Three from Hell and The Lighthouse. I have to see The Nightingale. Um, what else is there coming out? I feel like there was something big coming out. Oh, there's a but Doctor Sleep's coming, coming out. Doctor Sleep. That's what I was thinking of. Yeah, I couldn't think of yeah. the King adaptation. Yeah. Um, oh my gosh, so much and um. Of course, this isn't horror, but The Irishman is coming out later on Netflix. Oh, so I can't wait to see that. I'm looking yeah. forward to that. I hear Absolutely. three and a half yeah. hours of gloriousness. Absolutely, so. yeah. There you go. All right, so that's our podcast on Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I think this is our, other than our Quentin Tarantino coverage, this is our longest yet. Well, we need to do, we need to, here's the thing. Um, you know, look, um, even when, you know, we when we have guests, we mm-hmm. get like seven or eight thousand hits. Yep. When it's just you and I, we get like two thousand, three thousand hits. Mm-hmm. Um, People don't want to hear us talk. No, uh, but here's the deal: um, we're willing to talk about any movies, right? Yep. So if you want to talk about, we're willing to do this. If you want to talk about a Martin Scorsese, mm-hmm. you know, there's horror in Martin Scorsese uh, movies. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, absolutely. But if you want to do a Martin Scorsese thing, if you want to do, um, if you want to do whatever, I mean, we don't care. I mean, just let us know. We're willing to do it, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, obviously, we're doing um, we're doing a bunch of movies with guests that they recommend. Lots from the top ten list. Um, we're always interested in that to see what people like and maybe what we're not super familiar with. Um, Return of the Living Dead. I think I've seen it twice fantastic movie i think that's a perfect blend of comedy and horror so i'm looking forward oh, to talking about and that barely a- and barely ashley's going to be on in a couple weeks and so big bill's going to be on in a week for to yes. talk about the 78 invasion of the body snatchers yes. but you know look if you want to talk about a director if you want to do hey we'll do it i mean um mm-hmm. dave when he recovers wants to come on and talk about time after time from 1979 <laughs> So uh, we're going to have all kinds. If you want to talk about a director, we'll do a director spotlight, right? I mean, yeah, we have Quentin Tarantino. That one was so long. With Tarantino? And that, that was like um, five hours. Yeah. Yep, I mean, that was you know. Bill and Dave. We were on there. We were sitting on that couch for five hours talking about Quentin Tarantino because his stuff is so rich. And there's so much. I mean, he has such admiration for the horror genre that it really shines through. Um so, yeah, just director spotlights are always fun. We're willing to talk about any movie that interests you and that you have something to say about. Um, join us, you know, uh, you know, 
like have some good conversations. We'll, we'll, um, you know, we'll maybe we'll come to a revelation. Like we've come to a revelation here that I gave Texas Chainsaw nine point five out of ten. Apparently, that's heresy. Yeah, it should have been ten out of ten. Um, but I mean, whatever you want to do, right? I mean, what directors do we want to talk about? You you throw it out there. Mm-hmm. What directors do you want to talk about then? Me? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Scorsese sounds great, but that's um that that career is so illustrious. We'd be sitting there for ten hours. Um, as far as horror movie directors go, I think something that would be interesting to dissect would be Cronenberg. Um, oh, um, I like I mean, that. I've seen The Fly. I've seen Videodrome. I've seen Scanners. But as far as this other movie, I don't think I've ever seen The Brood. I don't think I've ever seen The Dead Zone. You've never seen one of my... The Brood? Nope. And The Dead oh. Zone is one of my favorite King books, and I haven't seen that, I don't think. Um, I just know Christopher Walken is fantastic in that. I'm really interested in diving into his work, so that might be something in our future. Um, because, obviously, Cronenberg, absolute legend in the industry. So, um, we've just got a lot of ideas. We're really um inspired by all the people that have reached out i mean we got a fan email um just the other day and that's really inspiring to me because you know it's like sometimes it feels like when you talk about movies you do, you just want to reach people and you you want to know what they think too and we've had such a great response from people um i'm really touched by it um it's great to hear people you know leave reviews and see that it's very flattering um and i'm glad that we have such a great horror horror community to talk with well, absolutely, but I mean, there are filmmakers out there that we know, like, you know, Dave Becker, who's recovering from surgery, and we wish yep. him the best because we love Dave. Um, we should do a Coen Brothers movie. Oh, that would be interesting. Yes, oh, we need to have Dave on and talk about the Coen Brothers, right? Yes, Mr. DVD Infatuation. I'm sure he would love to talk about the Coen Brothers. Oh, he but loves his schedule is so busy. Stuff. I mean. He is he is oh, really working hard. I mean, we would make time. We would yeah. we oh, would make time. We would make time, of course, for the legend. Yeah, Doctor Shock, of course, sent me a giant box set full of all kinds of foreign films, um, which I display proudly at the top of my shelf. It's the shining jewel of my collection. Um, and when we've had him on, we've had him on for two episodes. Um, I, he was on our Evil Dead and yep. Evil Dead 2 episode, and he was on our Tarantino episode. Yep. He is just the most interesting guest. I mean, he can talk for hours, and it's all so interesting because he knows so much. He really is the encyclopedia of knowledge, as he he's commonly introduced. Absolutely. Um, because but the, we need to have him because he loves, uh, uh, you know, along with Tarantino, he loves the, the Coen brothers, and so yeah. we need to have him. He's just we a need to do a film. Coen Brothers thing with Dr. Shock, don't you think? Yes, absolutely. All right. All right, buddy. So we have covered this Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> of course, everyone needs to buy it, right? It's 10 out of 10 for me. It's a buy. It's a 9.5 out of 10 for you. Blasphemy. Um, and so <laughs> it, it is, it's on Netflix right now. Mm-hmm. People need to check it out. So. Is it on Netflix? Really? I didn't know yes. that. It is on Netflix cool. today. Netflix, so. um, it's on Dinners of Death. Um, so check that out um, any way you can, really. Texas Chainsaw is even good on the VHS tape. If you're watching it like me, I have seen Texas Chainsaw on a VHS tape, not in its entirety, just, to, just parts of it. But, um, you know, any way you can see it, get your hands on it, reevaluate it, 
think about the themes we've talked about here. Think about your Nixon theory. Um, and okay, the tell crisis. me my Nixon theory is wrong. I have not. I have agreed with you thoroughly. Um, okay. But uh, yeah, so that that wraps up Texas Chainsaw. We've talked about it ad nauseum, but you can't talk about it enough. It is probably the most complex movie to grace the screen that year, 1974, in the horror genre, um, which it seems really specific, but it's really not if you look at the the amount of uh, of great stuff that was happening that decade. Um, but yeah, I'm 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 ready to wrap up this episode and hear what people think about it. All right, so there we have it. That's our review of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Check it out. Love it. Buy it. <laughs> Study it. You really want people to buy it. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. You don't? No, no, no. I agree. It's a buy. All right. All right, buddy. So I know you've been filming movies this week. That's right. I've got two projects I'm working on right now, so I can't really reveal much. One's, one's, um, one's a classwork thing. That's, it's just a documentary sort of thing. And another is um, just a free time thing, which I've, I've written, and now I'm a script supervisor and production assistant. I'm kind of doing you know whatever on set. But, um, yeah, I'm really excited to, you know, just put my work out there. Um, and it's super inspiring. I got a message from um, Dr. Shock the other day asking me about that that script I had written so many years ago um, where I have a character named Dr. Shock, you know, and, and I told yep. him about it, the details of it. And I also told him that, you know, horror movie podcast and other podcasts like it, Land of the Creeps and um, – so many great, even the uh, just the whole the whole horror movie community has really inspired me to not just make horror movies, but to really just make movies in general because right. you know the art is so expansive. It's just it's really great, and and low budget filmmakers like like I don't even know Ed Wood, you know that kind of thing is so inspiring, and just to hear that people talk about that and appreciate movies like that, and even independent movies you know texas chancel oh, larry fessenden and i mean it just goes on and on yeah yep so yep that's that's what's going on in my life um, that's awesome buddy yeah. all right pal so where can they catch you on the socials on twitter i'm at kane underscore hero 12 that's k-a-i-n-e underscore hero 12 I've got a letterbox, which is at Kane Hero. I've also got a YouTube channel, which is linked in both of those. And there is a, you know, full spectrum of things for the Father and So Much Horror Movie thing, which I'm sure you'll go into. But, um, yeah, you can yeah, reach me on those. FatherandSoMuchHorror.com, YouTube. Instagram. You Instagram. You can Twitter. Twitter you can uh, message me on Facebook and yeah. close book on Facebook. So. Yeah, and you can also catch me on Letterboxd and also on Twitter. So that's what we got, buddy. So until next week, and we've got some guests coming on. Can't wait for Bill and and Barely Ashley. Finally a woman to come on, right? Yeah, we need it. I mean, we're just talking circles, and of course we're the first guest that we're going to have is uh, a woman that's probably going to really know what she's talking about, so... Barely Ashley does. Yeah. So, yeah. all right. So, buddy, say good night to the good people. Good night. And remember to grip your hammer tightly. <laughs> all right. Because if you're grandpa, you're going to be dropping it a lot. <laughs> all right. So, remember, the family that watches horror together stays together. See you guys. Appreciate it.